0: and reflected upon what was it that made my experience a little bit different. And it really stemmed from my childhood. And I grew up on the second floor of a mansion, (laughs) which sounds lovely, in a small country town of Auburn, Nebraska, population 3,000. And I say second floor because the first floor was converted by my family into a thriving restaurant with banging and clanging And late night bar crowds beneath my bedroom every night from three years old on. And what I wanted more than anything was to feel seen and heard without even being able to express it in words. And if someone would have asked me, who listens to you? It would not have been my parents. I was so fortunate, though, there was one person that did, and that was my grandma Helga. Mm. And in her presence, it was as though there was a warm, safe bubble surrounding us and savory aromas wafting in from the kitchen added extra comfort as she would presence herself in a way that I felt deeply heard
1: and seen. Welcome back to the In The Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and you're listening to episode number 23. In today's episode, I get to talk to Terry Lenowski. She is the founder of soulful listening, a TEDx speaker and an accomplished thought leader whose body of work is evolutionary. Communication is timely, impactful, and deeply relevant. Inspired by her grandma, Helga, and through insights gained as chair of the American counseling association foundation representing over 50,000 professional counselors. Along with other significant professional contributions, she created an easily repeatable holistic approach for communication on a deeper, more meaningful level. The five elements of soulful listening provide a roadmap to connecting in a way that leaves others feeling heard deeply. Terry has had the honor of leading national human centered design teams, which embraced empathy and design thinking to showcase workforce innovations at the White House, not once, but twice. she'll take you on an engaging ride through inspiring stories and leave you the with actionable steps to embody in your own life both at work and at home. I loved the conversation with Terry because we went on a journey of what it means to truly listen in a soulful way, which speaks directly to my heart. I feel like whether we're talking about a corporate setting, or we're talking about our personal lives, I feel like at the core, what's missing is that deeper listening. And as a professional coach myself, I know that's one of the the tenets of being a certified coach is really having that ability to drop in and listen more deeply with empathy, with your whole being and being able to provide those insights and Maybe little nudges that people need to be able to get unstuck or to be able to maybe unlock their own creative genius. So, this conversation with Terry was a delight, and I think you guys will find a lot of value out of it. You can reach Terry at soulfullistening.com and check out some of her body of work. I think you'll really enjoy it, and I think there's a lot of actionable things that you can take out from her roadmap, um, to soulful listening and apply that to your organizations, your teams, your families, your relationships to develop better relationships and have more of that deeper listening and deeper connections with those around you. So welcome back to 2022 and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the In the Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang and today I am joined by Terry Lanowski. She is the founder of Soulful Listening and a TEDx speaker. So welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you, Jen. I am so happy to be here. I am so happy too. I'm really um, excited that Sean was able to connect us. I mean as soon as he said Soulful Listening, I was like, oh, okay, I need to meet this woman Terry that he has spoken so highly about because soulful listening just speaks directly to my soul. Um, so I'm really excited about our conversation today and how leaders might be able to use some of the things that you've developed, um, in their everyday lives. So I I really can't wait. Beautiful,
0: beautiful introduction. Thank you. And thank you to Sean for uh, connecting the two
1: of us. Yes. I love it. I love when little, like little things like that happen in life and you just kind of get connected. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit more about yourself, who you are and what's brought you to where we are today.
0: Right, right. So so again you'd said my name and founder of soulful listening and you know I think it would be helpful to kind of kind of get a, a little bit of background on what led me to Create soulful listening. Uh, I was working as a, a consultant for major t- major uh, teams across the nation that were working on, um, you know, improving the way that they provide services to businesses using a methodology called human centered design. Mm-hmm. And as I was working with them. Uh, we ended up in the white house a couple of times with uh, the improvements that teams had made and i noticed how stale programs had turned on their ear and if you're not familiar with what human centered design is at the core of it is using empathy to improve the services that they provide to their customers and you know and then i reflected on that you know and what helped me thrive despite the odds in my own life. And I realized there were major missing pieces in how we communicate. And I also was doing some research. I had major projects of, with US Department of Labor teams from across the nation, and I did some research and I discovered that over half of the American population is lonely. That's according to Cigna, It broke my heart. Yeah. And then further research uh, you know, revealed that the health impact of loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And the health implications are now, uh, they exceed those of obesity. So this was so serious that I could not turn a blind eye. And so I did some (laughs) deep soul searching myself and reflected upon what was it that made my experience a little bit different. And it really stemmed from my childhood And I grew up on the second floor of a mansion, (laughs) which sounds lovely, in a small country town of Auburn, Nebraska, population 3,000. And I say second floor because the first floor was converted by my family into a thriving restaurant with banging and clanging and late night night bar crowds beneath my bedroom every night from three years old on. And what I wanted more than anything was to feel seen and heard without even being able to express it in words. And if someone would have asked me, who listens to you? It would not have been my parents. I was so fortunate though, there was one person that did and that was my grandma Helga. Mm. And in her presence, it was as though there was a warm, safe bubble surrounding us and savory aromas wafting in from the kitchen added extra comfort. And she would presence herself in a way that I felt deeply heard and seen, wow! and so that has stayed with me my entire life even though beginning in that family situation with with all the chaos and wild families dysfunction by having one person that listened to me in a deep meaningful way the trajectory of
1: my life changed forever wow I could just feel kind of the warmth as you were talking about your grandmother how beautiful that story is. Um, I love hearing it for the second time. It was just so amazing. And all I could think was like this, there's this chaos and being able to be that presence and that rooted grounded force amongst all of that. I mean, what a tremendous gift to be able to experience that and be able to now, you know, teach others as well.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, and we could be that for others in our own life. And, there were, you know, I'm remembering one conversation with Grandma Helga that was particularly important. And I had gone in for my uh, senior high school guidance counselor meeting where you talk about what's next for you and and what your career might look like. And and again, yeah. I'm from a small country town and my guidance counselor said to me, Terry, you're a small town girl. You get lost wow. in a big city like Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> your best bet is to go to secretarial school and work for your family restaurant. Wow. Yeah. And that would have been a death sentence for my spirit.
1: Yeah. Wow. 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 And so I have that, that
0: sleepless nights and for an 18 year old to have sleepless nights, that's, you, you know, there's something wrong inside. There's, mm-hmm. there's a dissonance, there's an agitation. Yeah. So I went to grandma Helga and, you know, she was a, a woman really ahead of her time. She was twice widowed, a successful in business, and she knew how to step away and take care of herself, which was so rare in that time. And so when I presented this story to grandma Helga, she kind of reared back and presenced herself. And she said, Terry, look at all I've done without education. Mm. Think of what you can do with it.
1: Wow. And in yeah. that moment,
0: the trajectory of my life shifted forever.
1: Yeah. And it's those little moments. And, it, and that's, what's interesting to me, especially when you're talking about soulful listening and, and connections with others is it's not usually like the big, um, really poignant events, maybe that you would necessarily stand out in your mind, but it's those little things that we can do for each other, for ourselves on a daily, um, on, you know, in our daily lives that can help change the course of somebody's, you know, direction and give them, open them up to possibilities. That's what was coming up for me was when your counselor told you that it was limiting your possibilities. Your grandmother was helping you open up, to all the possibilities. That's
0: so beautifully said.
1: And holding the space
0: for possibility for another is really a powerful gift. Yeah. It's really a powerful gift. Oh, nice. And you know, one of these conversations, as you pointed out, can change the trajectory of a life. And I would say the world forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I happen to agree with that. And so I'm curious how would you take those same principles and apply that maybe to a corporate setting? Let's say that you're a leader in an organization and you're wanting to develop more of that empathy, you're wanting to connect more with your team. I hear a lot about engagement. We Mm -hmm. want to make sure people are engaged, people are connected, people feel seen and heard, and all these things. But I often see a disconnect, like it doesn't feel like we say it, but we don't feel it. So I'm curious how, how does soulful listening come into maybe that type of setting?
0: That is such a great, rich question. And I will get to that. I think what might be helpful first is for me to just kind of skim over the five elements of soulful listening. And then I'll, then I'll kind of embed the context of a corporate setting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That might be a good good way
0: to just kind of like, um, Sequence that. Yeah. So the the first element of soulful listening is self care, and we don't often hear self care connected with the quality of conversation, but yeah. it is to me foundational, and it's more than a bubble bath, although it could include that. Right. <laughs> but it's it's really um, you know think about a time when you've had like a few days when you've had enough rest and you've eaten good food aren't you more emotionally available for others? Yes, certainly. Mm -hmm. And then when we also look at, you know, what kind of self-talk is
1: going on? You know, how are we talking to ourselves? It's a big one. Yeah. That is a big one. Some of us have very old, very negative self talk patterns. Um,
0: Yeah. And that bleeds over into our interactions Mm -hmm. with others. Yeah, certainly. And another thing that i like to talk about in, you know, in the bucket of self-care is setting healthy boundaries. Yes. You know, when we look at that, when we set healthy boundaries, we take care of our, you know, needs, we really can be more present for our conversations, which leads into the second element of soulful listening, which is becoming fully present, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: becoming fully present. Imagine we've all been in situations where we can almost see a bubble above a person's head with the laundry list of things they're thinking about. We feel it. We feel it. And so to become present sometimes sounds just a little abstract. So I would love to share with your listeners uh, one way that I like to become present. Sure. Okay. So first of all, check in with your body right now. How How does it feel? And maybe not now, like move around a little bit, just kind of move around a little bit. And now we're gonna take three intentional breaths. The way that we'll do that is we'll breathe in through our nose, we'll hold and we'll breathe out through our mouth. And as we're doing this, I invite you to notice the warmth in your heart area. So let's begin. In through your nose, hold out through your mouth. Again, into your nose, hold, out through your mouth. And a third time, into your nose, hold, out through your mouth. Notice your body now wiggle yeah, your
1: toes. feel so much less stress. It's, it's funny. I was actually, while I was doing this, I was having a flashback to the first time I did this ever in my life, which was in therapy. And I remember I almost had like a panic attack afterwards because it gave me a feeling and sensation that I didn't know existed because I had never taken the time to really stop and do right, some of those deep breaths right. to really feel your body just kind of become more grounded. Um, it's exactly. such a powerful tool. Exactly.
0: And so as you had mentioned, we are all more present now. The energy has shifted, certainly between the two of us and I imagine mm-hmm. your listeners as well. Okay. And so when we take care of ourselves and we become fully present, we bring a quality of grace and compassion into every interaction.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And that leads us to the third element of soulful listening which is kind of a hybrid of active listening and empathy. Mm -hmm. So if these two had a child, it would be this element. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And it's all in it's where we listen with every fiber of our Mm -hmm. being through every source we have available Mm -hmm. through our intuition, our eyes, our ears, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and the urban dictionary defines this type of listening as quantum listening. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And when we listen on this deeper level, we often gain insights into how we might be helpful to another, especially when we enter a conversation with a sense of curiosity Mm -hmm. and openness, as opposed to (laughs) playing out both sides of a conversation in our head that may have in Mm -hmm. the past sounded something like, oh, he'll say this and I'll say that it's going to end like this,
1: Mm -hmm. which Never turns out well, We're making a lot of assumptions. And the thing I see a lot, yeah. especially in tech is we have a lot of problem solvers. Mm-hmm. People find it hard to lead with curiosity because they are so conditioned to solving problems. And I see that a lot. And that's something that I work with people a lot to try and untrain kind of that initial behavior and reaction of wanting to just solve the problem, right. not really bringing in the curiosity. Um, especially I see it a lot in People in leadership positions who take over and want to just get something done instead of empowering people. Um, So I see that as being, you know, all of these uh, different components being really helpful to help you be more curious.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, and when you enter with that, you know, that higher degree of emotional intelligence and that openness, oftentimes something will be revealed. Uh, maybe a need that a person has. And, you know, we may find a place where we can be helpful to another, Mm -hmm. we all have access to a variety of resources where we can really, you know, get up underneath somebody's wings and and help them out. And I love a quote by the Dalai Lama. And it indicates that, you know, our prime purpose in this life is to help others. Mm -hmm. And so when we, you know, when we embrace that, and, and this leads to the, the fourth element of soulful listening, which is the secret sauce. It's taking inspired action. Oh, and as I had mentioned, a, a need may be revealed during a, a deep, mm-hmm. connected conversation. And then you yeah. can be in a position to be powerful and provide assistance. Right. You know, maybe it's making a phone call. Maybe it's making a connection. Maybe it's looking up information, whatever the case
1: may be. Or maybe just to listen, right? Maybe that's all the person needs is someone to be there. That's it. Just... That's it.
0: Because it's yeah. so rare that yeah. real listening is occurring. Yeah. And then to wrap it all up, uh, the fifth element is the feedback loop. That's letting a person know you've taken inspired action on their behalf. No strings attached.
1: Now tell me why that is particularly important um, in kind of this model that you have. Like what does right. that feedback loop do for the connection, soulful listening, all of that. Okay. So uh, let me invite you to think back
0: to a conversation that you may have had in the past where somebody's all in, they're listening, they're nodding their head. You kind of like filleted yourself out and bore your soul and, you know, uh, vulnerably expressed a need that you had and the person nodded their head and everything. And then they left and you never heard anything back. I mean, it just falls short. Mm -hmm. of what real connection looks like, and is experienced. And so when these five elements are repeated, it embeds integrity and confidence within a relationship. So that is the defining difference.
1: Yeah, I was also feeling like trust and safety in a lot of ways um, comes from trust. So I I can see how that would be an important component in building connections and um, relationships with others. Right, and so you ask me, you know, how does this apply to the corporate setting?
0: Uh, You know, very, very directly, it can be very a very powerful component of um, increasing human performance. Quite Mm -hmm. bluntly, and so imagine, you know, each day this kind of interaction is going on. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody brings to you an idea, Mm -hmm. uh, and action is taken upon it, well, the next time, and you you know, you let the Employer, no, hey, this is, hey, I've got your back and this is what's going on.
1: Imagine the fertile ground that that sets. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely something that I've thought a lot about. And I'm thinking from a corporate standpoint, we like to see numbers. We like to see how have we moved the needle? How have we increased, again, engagement, mm-hmm. satisfaction? Mm-hmm. Um, retention is always something looked at. How how do you see that connecting with kind of corporates need to want to have data, be able to measure it? Are there things that we can measure and have tangible uh, you know, outcomes? You, yeah, you
0: you mentioned uh, retention.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay, I'll I'll give an example. I like to tell stories, so I'll do a little storytelling, and then we'll connect that. Um, Nick was a, is a young man; he's in his um, you know early thirties. Known him for like 10 years, been a friend of the family. And, uh, you know, he would always kind of, you know, come to me for like advice or to, you know, let me check in to see how his career was going. So I saw him Mm -hmm. at an event and he goes, Terry, do you have some time? I go, absolutely, Nick. And So I could tell he needed to get something off his chest. And I was like, well, how are things going? He goes, well, and he's a really bright, bright guy from a top tier university, Mm -hmm. multi-gifted. And he goes, well, things are okay, but I go, oh, mm-hmm. I go, tell me more. I'm, I'm really curious. He goes, well, I've tried offering my ideas a couple of times and they've just, you know, nobody's listening to me. And, and so, I mean, I do the bare minimum mm-hmm. because I can and kind of get away with it. I go, but it feels like it doesn't even matter that I'm there. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was a, that is a powerful story. And so you you can imagine what Nick ended up doing, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, he contracted Mm -hmm. his genius inside remained inside while he was at that organization all the time he was doing what he needed to do to meet the (laughs) measured marks, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but that difference making that he had within him was held at bay because he felt like it didn't even matter.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and so, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, that's one of the things that I kind of see the most that that's lacking in, especially organizations and corporations is that, again, we talk about, we want people to bring their whole selves. We want people to bring their full potential. We want to unlock those things and remove barriers so that that can, you know, come forward. Cause that's when we're at our best. But it always seems very difficult to implement, or I don't know if it's like systems or policies or whatever, but it just always seems like we know what needs to be done, but I don't know if we've really gotten there yet. I don't know if you see the same thing or feel the same way, but.
0: I, yeah, I do. And I feel like Soulful Listings all offers a roadmap on how to do that. You know, And if we're mm-hmm. interacting with one another in this way, it's, it sets the stage for opening up access to the greater knowing within a person. So let me give an example. Uh, there was a, a gentleman that I worked with, his name is Jerry. We worked together for like 15 years and I've always communicated in the soulful listening way although it's not been called that until right. Right, you know <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> and so um, we had a way of like connecting. So every morning he would come into my office and it would take five minutes so it's not like this is you know and it's not a therapy session it is not anything like that but you kind of get to know a person and as the safety is established the openness also comes in so anyway jerry came into my office this one morning his face was a little beet red and i thought oh there's something going on so I he sat down. I took a you know a few deep breaths, just got centered. No big announcement needed to be made that the breathing is going on. And I said, Jerry, what's what's going on? He goes, They just don't understand. They just don't understand. I go, can you, you tell me just a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, he was doing multiple reports with the same information and it was bogging him down, which was taking him away from doing the other work that really would be like game-changing. yeah. And we were a, a satellite office to a large national organization. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, what? And then, then entering with, rather than just shutting him down, say, well, we can't do anything about it, just suck it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, okay, Jerry, mm-hmm. what might we do differently? He goes, and then he got quiet, kind of mm-hmm. got inside himself. And then he came up with a great solution. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so then here's where the inspired action comes to play. I said, okay, Jerry, that is a great idea. I'm going to take that forward and I'll let you know how it goes. And so the reason I needed to take it forward is I held a position that would stand a better chance of being heard. Yeah. And so then I didn't take credit for Jerry's great idea. But what I did was I elevated it. And then I periodically would go back to him and say, well, okay, it's, here's where it is right now. Yeah. And so then he can relax and know, okay, she's got my back. I'm going to still do what I need to do while we're waiting for this to play out. And then as a result of his great idea, the policy was changed nationwide.
1: Wow. And so amazing.
0: Yes. And so, I mean, story after story happens yeah. but you see where rather than confining him to just do what you're told
1: mm-hmm.
0: he had a safe space where he could come in you know beat red and vent yeah. but it is it wasn't a place to just vent to be venting it was vent and then offer a solution and then know mm-hmm. that you're going to have somebody backing you yeah so well, that's I hear
1: now. empowerment too i hear uh, Being, you know, enabling people to be empowered to have that, like you said, the courage, because there's that safety to be able to express those things. I always get nervous, right? If people aren't wanting to, if they're having reservations about going to the big bosses and, you know, sharing something, an idea to me, that always tells me there's some kind of safety issue, some lack of trust, something there to look at. But what I loved you were talking about was curiosity and Mm -hmm for me as a, as a coach, like that's everything that we do. That's the first thing that we think of is how do we shift into that curiosity? And it's great because you could have easily said, he came in there and said, I'm having this problem. You could have said, well, you need to do X, Y, Z. Right. And that would not be empowering. If you said, this is what I need you to do. Instead, you said, what can be done? What are the possibilities? And he was able to bring forward a great idea, which then you were able to support and help push forward. To me, that sounds like the, the perfect leadership dynamic and way that is a very empowering one as well. So that was you know, all and, I was hearing and, and, from that story. Right. Right.
0: And it can be done on just one-on-one basis, case-by-case mm-hmm. case basis. But the, the ripple effect is quite substantial. you know, just imagine how that plays out. Mm -hmm. And then once you learn how to do this, or once you you are being this way in one Mm -hmm. setting of your life, it transfers into all settings of your life. I I did a a keynote for top leadership, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I was just so um, encouraged when I was reminded how transferable this is. When, When attendees were, you know, committing to you know, implementing soulful listening in their work environment. Mm -hmm. And they also were taking it home and going to have conversations with their spouse or their children Mm -hmm. in this higher level way.
1: Yeah. Well, also what I've noticed in my own life and journey is through therapy, um, you actually use a lot of these principles with yourself. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of exploration. There's a lot of curiosity. There's a lot of building even vulnerability within yourself to be able to sit with and be present with everything Uh, from your experience, right? Even the really tough stuff, right? That most people say, Oh no, no, we should just push that away. We don't want to think about that. When you show up for yourself in that way, I found that it's a lot easier to show up for others in that same way. So I, Personally, just try and use especially therapy as a way for me to practice that where it's about really being present, fully present okay. with yourself in all, all the things, everything yeah. and how easily then it becomes, I can sit that way and be that way with someone else to help them. One of my favorite quotes by, um, Brene, Brene Brown is on her dare to lead podcast. She was telling the story about, you know, compassion which is a lot of what I hear kind of as a thread through the soulful listening is really Mm -hmm. about helping people to sit in the dark. So when Uh you can sit in the dark yourself, you can then start to help others. It's not about turning light on for them. It's not about showing them the way out. It's about teaching them to be able to sit there in all of it and really connect and have that deeper soulful kind of connection. Um, to then be able to make your own empowered choices, decisions. Um, but teaching people, I think that's what's really lacking in our society, to be frank, is I don't think we are very good at sitting in those dark places. It's like we want to fix it or we want to go away. We want it anything around mental health. I hear it so much where it's like, I just need to get over that. And it's like, well, what if we learned just to sit with it in the dark and we were okay with that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you mentioned compassion and self-compassion and accepting Mm -hmm. all of you and and accepting all of another person. I mean, Mm -hmm. how beautiful is that? And, you know, we our very humanity thrives when we feel seen and heard and supported by others. And it's not when just our absolutely perfect parts are seen and heard and supported by others. It's when all of us yeah. You know, and then the, the realization that, you know, we're perfectly imperfect, each one of us, and we've mm-hmm. gone through bumps and challenges along the way. And there's a richness in that, that it could be brought to the corporate setting, you know, because there may be an insight from that challenge, whatever that challenge was, and, mm-hmm. you know, at a minimum tenacity to thrive through it. Yeah. Uh, and so to, you know, to have that safe container mm-hmm. in which, you uh, you know, a person can bring forth their, their great talents. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that we are in a point in our lives uh, globally, that we really need the very best of each of us coming forward. The The challenges are significant enough that this is no time to be messing around.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. I feel like, wow, we're at a point where there's a big cliff coming. I don't, I, we need so we need a lot more to help build. I look at it as like building a bridge, like building that bridge to connect whatever is disconnected either in ourselves and yeah. others with others. Um, how can we help be that bridge? And I love that you're, I mean, a lot of the threads I was hearing was like empathy, compassion, um, trust, uh, even accountability. Um, right. and just pre- and like you said, presence, that's what it all boils down to me is that presence, that you can bring all of that forward and be in that space. Like your grandmother was able to be right. Even amongst the chaos and be able to make you, even as a little girl, feel seen, feel heard, mm-hmm. understood and validated. I think just a tremendous gift.
0: Truly. It truly has been, Yeah, you know, and then, you know, this, this type of communication is, can be generational. You can pass it on to your children. You know, mm-hmm. we, we uh, so often don't see this kind of, you know, real communication being modeled. And okay. so when it is, it just, it is quite powerful and quite empowering. Yeah. You know, when, when I go out for dinner and I see a family of four sitting there and all four of them are on their phones, it breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, because there's, there is you know, a depth of connection is lost, that is lost out on in that yeah. moment. And, yeah. you know, how, how can children have, or the youth have a conversation, let alone, you know, a high stakes conversation when it's not modeled. So right. I would just submit that um, I've seen it play out in, in my own life with myself and also with my son, uh, yeah. who now communicates in
1: this way as well. That's awesome. Would you be willing to share that story about your son? We talked about the other day about how soulful listening, even from like a parent child dynamic, how that can have an impact on their lives.
0: Absolutely. I'm happy to do that. So uh, I was a single parent from the time my son, Jacob was 10 years old on. So Jacob and I knew early on that it would be up to the two of us to finance whatever was going to follow high school. And so we would tune in for conversations. And this is the only way he and I have ever interacted with one another. And so he was 15 and we tuned in, both of us like really present. And I asked him, Jacob, what do you want for your after high school experience? And he just like resurrected himself and announced, mom, I'd like to go someplace strong in math and science. And if I could play on a good football team, is there a place that has both? Fifteen, wow! From his six foot five, three hundred pounds stance, he commanded a life of possibility. Yeah, and so wow. that that I and I heard Jacob beyond his words, beyond his body language, to that deeply insightful part of him, mm-hmm. that was really calling forth a life of great possibility. So it was time for inspired action. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um. I mean, the Southern school kept popping up and I went back to Jacob and I said, you know, people are saying the Southern school. And he goes, we should go. <laughs> going, I, we were living in Nebraska, cornfield in the backyard. And I was thinking, <laughs> I didn't even know how it was going to pay for plane tickets, let alone yeah. be this gigantic athlete in a big city. Yeah. But somehow the universe supports you when you're up to something big and good <laughs> and, yeah. and we ended up uh, going to the Southern School. A couple of days later, we we're meeting with coaches and students. And we eventually go to a park and we're walking. He looks down at me from his 6'5 perch and announces, <laughs> Mom, I feel like I belong here. And that was wow. it.
1: Wow. How powerful. Yes. So, yeah, so
0: this, before the end of his junior year, he had earned a full scholarship. He, Jacob wow. did all the work. Academically and physically. And uh, he was the first boy from Nebraska to be recruited to play football for Georgia Tech. Wow.
1: That is awesome. That is and great. Then he, yeah,
0: and then he went on to do other pretty, pretty significant things, coached at the collegiate level, and uh, most recently became a doctor of physical therapy and is a practicing doctor of physical wow. therapy. That is so, so awesome. <laughs>
1: That is, I wish I, as I was, you were hearing, I was hearing you tell that story. I was thinking, wow, at 15, I wouldn't have had a clue. Uh, I mean, I was so lost and that's amazing that even at that age, how he was so connected to what his life path is. And that is just such a blessing. And if soulful listening can help facilitate that process and how I wanted that story also beautifully demonstrates how that's such a great way to apply it even in a family dynamic. You don't have to be in organizations or in business or right. leading large teams. You can make an impact even in your own family. Um as a parent, as a spouse, you know, even as a child. Hey, you know what? Start using soulful listening on your parents. Start using those techniques and start teaching them maybe better ways to communicate and really connect. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. I love that. You know, and you mentioned leadership and leading. I mean, we can each lead, be leaders of communication in our own mm-hmm. lives, whether it be in the work setting or in our personal lives, or when we're in the grocery line, mm-hmm. you know, just, just imagine just acknowledging a person that is maybe in the food service industry in a really respectful, tuned in way.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it- I was just smiling and really laughing because I just had a conversation earlier today with my boss about how using minor annoyances in life to really, really touch in and connect with that soulful listening, because a lot of things are around us triggering us, right? Like life is not perfect. It's not, you know, just stress-free and we're all just kind of out, you know, oh, let me connect to myself, right? Like it's, not always easy. So use those little, like in a grocery store line, that's my, always my example. Cause I always get so triggered in a grocery store, but I I'll often tell myself like, okay, Jen, I feel like we're getting triggered right now. I can sense it. I can feel it in every fiber of my being. I know it's coming, you know, what are some other possibilities here for whatever that annoyance is someone's taking too long or, you know, Bye. whatever. What are all the other possibilities? So I start playing a game with myself to get curious. <laughs> and I notice that it's helped me substantially because telling you, I am one of those like, come on, why do you have 12 items in the tent? No, 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 no. That's <laughs> what are you doing? Um, I can get really triggered. So it's just been a great way to even just connect to myself and go, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like acknowledge ourselves. Say, Jen, yeah, you are really getting triggered right now and you're really upset. That is a I can feel it. It's a tense emotion. What what are some other possibilities that we have to work with right now? Um, well, first of
0: all, I want to just acknowledge what you said. You know, uh, this is this is a time of you know great tension mm-hmm. for virtually everybody, it, it, you know, many different levels in many different ways. And so the consciousness or awareness that we have of where we are, then we can kind of self-regulate yep. a little bit, you know, and, and that's important. And then also to be aware of how your emotions
1: are affecting others.
0: It's quite empowering
1: oh absolutely and i mean and i told myself well at least i feel better i'm not like sitting here seething and like <laughs> oh i'm going to oh. you know at least i feel better and i'm just like then you notice and t- then you can be in a space where you're just kind of present you're just kind of looking around and seeing you know all the stuff that goes on in a grocery store or an airport just looking around just and i love to look in airports actually it's another big trigger of mine um okay. and I love just watching people. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'll am just, i say to myself, I wonder where they're going. I wonder what they're up to today. I wonder if, God, it's... you know, who they're going to see or what they're, you know, where I they're like flying that. to. So just, but again, uh, getting to that space takes, I think a lot of even that soulful listening with yourself. And just like you said, self-regulating right. and being able to manage yourself. So you don't completely just lose it, you know, lose yeah. it. Yeah.
0: And, you know, and also i would you know offer the possibility of having a gratitude practice that you can bring into play in that moment of trigger
1: yeah
0: because we cannot hold two opposing thoughts at the same time and so okay. there's psychology behind that but we'll let that be yeah. <laughs> right but anyway to just you know recognize that if you're having, you know, having difficulty coming up with something I would just offer to you, the miracle of life itself. It's an absolute miracle that any of us are here in this moment in this breath in this time. And so
1: just sit with that for a moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm having so much fun with this conversation. I could probably talk to you for like five hours, but I I would love to hear a little bit more about. So some of the work that you're currently doing with soulful listening, how are you bringing that to the world? How are you bringing that to corporations? What does that look like? Okay, so um, most recently, I've kind
0: of kind of honed in on uh, doing keynote keynotes. keynotes so that seems to be uh, a really great way to scale the message, mm-hmm. and so that has been uh, that has been really delightful, and I've enjoyed doing that. And I just recently completed a TEDx talk, which is kind of a big yeah. deal for me yeah. anyway, and that will be released in. January 2022.
1: And congratulations. uh,
0: Thank you. And so it, it feels like the message of soulful listening uh, is one who has stepped into its time and place of being relevant to people and my, my hope and efforts and intentions and <laughs> actions behind it are to share this gift that was given to me early on and evolved throughout my lifetime. Perfect.
1: That is amazing. Yeah. And I feel like it is like the perfect time for all yeah. of this, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have spent a lot of time reflecting on their life, what matters to them, what's important, you know, what they need. I feel like this comes at a very, a, very perfect time for them, people to really start picking up some of those tools. Um, and maybe that'd be a good way to segue into, so what would be like maybe one or two things from the soulful listening kind of model we talked about that somebody who's listening could walk away with and start implementing tomorrow or something they can start kind of thinking about.
0: I'm a big proponent of start small, but start. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, select one conversation over the course of this next week with a person that you are wanting to connect with on a deeper level. Don't necessarily go into a high stakes conversation the first time, <laughs> yeah, right. but pick one, one person, one setting, and then incorporate the elements of soulful listening You know, do some self-care this next week, Mm -hmm. pick a couple of things that you're either already doing or that you are going to now do. And as you're doing them, tell yourself, I'm doing self-care. Maybe you're Mm -hmm. out walking your dog, something you have to do anyway, but maybe notice something in your surroundings, notice a tree or a -hmm. statue that you had never noticed before, but realize that this is part of self-care. Yeah. And then becoming fully present before you enter into that conversation, Mm -hmm. do the breathing, Mm -hmm. feel your body, maybe touch your fingertips together, whatever works for you. And then listen in a way where you let go of the competing things that are ever present for all of us, Mm -hmm. but you just put them to the side for this moment and just experience what happens when you Mm -hmm. do that with one conversation. Yeah.
1: Simply take a breath and listen, take a breath and listen. Sounds so simple. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I actually am going to put a reminder in my, um, in my calendar to remind me to focus on that before meetings, take a pause, do some deep breaths. Pause and see if that affects how present I can show up. Cause I was actually also smiling my head when you were talking about taking your dog for a walk. Cause I go for a walk in my neighborhood every evening. And it's amazing. There are some times where I'll just notice something and I'm like, Ah. when did that get here? (laughs) And I'm thinking, I think it's been here for a while, but (laughs) for the last couple of weeks, I probably just been so like in my head and my thoughts, not really paying attention Mm -hmm. that one day I'm like. I didn't know that was there. And it's probably been there for a month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But can we, but also labeling that as self-care, like just a lot of the things we do, I don't think we realize that we're actually taking care of ourselves. And mm-hmm. the more we notice it, I think the more we can sustain it and, and put those things into practice.
0: Right. And that helps you to fill up, so to speak. Yeah. You know, when we talk about Grandma Helga, I mean, she would take time for herself, she would have a weekly women's group. And so she would, when she would come into a conversation, she would come from the position of overflow. So she wasn't, you didn't feel like she was, you know, pulling something from you. She was there. And so, yeah, so realize that you are kind of filling your cup Mm -hmm. as you're doing these things. So maybe even have a mental image of, okay, I did this and this and this, and then, you know pat yourself on the back. That's awesome. Yeah. A gift you give not only to yourself, you give it to others.
1: Yeah. I think that is one thing that's missing a lot. I feel is that gratitude piece. And sometimes I struggle with it because sometimes it can feel a little like cliche or something for me to say, Oh, I'm grateful for this, but I like looking at just everyday things that we're doing and really trying to connect with it to kind of almost produce that gratitude naturally versus me feeling like I'm always forcing myself like, Oh, I should be grateful for my health. I should be grateful. I have a job. I should be grateful. I'm alive. Right. Like, of course those are things, but it doesn't feel, you know, the same, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I feel like what you're describing kind of, again, naturally kind of builds that gratitude. Um, instead of having to force it and make it feel right, right. You know, kind of, I don't know. I always think of like cliches. Like, I am so happy to be alive it's like, well, yeah, most of the time, <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. Things change day to day, minute to minute. Um, those nuance, those minor annoyances I was talking about. <laughs> right. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's a wonderful practice. And, you know, I love hearing the story about your grandma, Helga, and she sounded, she sounds like a wonderful human being. And I'm so honored for you that you were able to have that experience and then share all of that wisdom with us and the listeners. So I appreciate you going through that. And I wanted to shift gears real quick into this new segment I'm doing. I, I think I told you about this, about the leading questions, which are just really five questions to kind of get to know you a little bit um, better. So I wanted to, uh, wanted to dive into that if that's okay with you. Sure. If you don't mind. Um, so the first question was about what book is on your bookshelf?
0: I have a lot of books on my bookshelf, but one that came to mind, uh, as you just asked that question, is uh, The Alchemist oh. by Paulo Coelho. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a couple of quotes in his book that I, I really, really like. If you don't mind me sharing those. Yes, please. Okay. So when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. Mm.
1: It's beautiful.
0: And that's played out in my own personal life. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when you ask the question of, you know, where should people begin and how can they incorporate, you know, soulful listening in their lives, I'm kind of reminded of another quote of his, and it's, when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too.
1: Wow. That sounds like a great book that I would like. I got to put that on my... (laughs) my reading list. Um, that's beautiful. I love. Yeah. I love, I've read another book. It's called, I think the alchemy, but I think it's written by someone else. And I don't know if I have it on my bookshelf, but it was similar and it was just, it was mind blowing. I loved it. Um, very cool. So what would you say is the genre of books that are usually on your bookshelf? What do you typically like to, you know, I'm,
0: I'm all over the place so i you know of course like psychology books and you know emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. communication and all of those and then i like um, mystery novels that keep me okay. engaged that have twists that i can't figure out from the beginning <laughs> mm. <laughs> i like to be surprised and so that would be another one and then you know, sometimes a romance novel is just kind of nice to dip into. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hear you. Yeah, I'm all over the place, too. Um, I like the mysteries as well. I like the, uh-huh. when you, yeah, the plot goes in a direction that you didn't think it was going to go and kind of, yeah, I don't read enough of those books. I, I think most of the books on my bookshelf have to be around kind of self-improvement, but from mm-hmm. kind of the self, like the self-perspective and also probably Buddhist kind of skew more Eastern philosophies, but I like all kinds of books too. So what is one thing you are most proud of? Oh, gosh, you know, it would, you know, when I look at a
0: personal level, it would be, you know, raising my son, you know, Mm -hmm. from 10 years old on as a single parent. And although I cannot take credit for this, but the fact that he is, you know, a well balanced, strong, contributing man, And he's, you know, really committed to becoming the best version of himself. So when I look at, look at that, it makes my soul smile.
1: Oh, he does sound like he's a, he's a great guy. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's a hard job. So well done. I, I honestly actually, you know, admire single parents because, you know, it's tough and I've worked with a number of them over the years and I've heard a lot of stories about how difficult it can be. So definitely hats off to you for raising such a great human being. Um, he and
0: I made a good team. Our, our personalities are compatible. So I think there was a, you know, a luck of the draw there as well. Oh,
1: well, so tell me about an influential person in your life and how they impacted you.
0: (laughs) We've already spoken of her frequently and it's, it's grandma Helga. Yeah. Grandma Helga. And, you know, when, uh, Oh, gosh, one little piece of wisdom that she shared with me at, Mm -hmm. at another time in my life. And I think I was, you know, struggling with going on maybe to another level and, you know, I've funded my education. So it wasn't that she was there financially for me, but her wisdom was just so incredibly powerful. And I remember I was, you know, like kind of tossing and turning and I was, you know, like in my early twenties at the time, I think I was thinking of going on to maybe another level Mm. And she said to me again, when she presenced herself, she said, Terry, all you have to do is decide what you want to do and then take steps to do it.
1: Yeah. Bam. (laughs) It is pretty, it is very simple, isn't it? I mean, just getting, having that, I call it North star. What is my North star? And then how am I going to direct the ship in that direction? There we go. That's awesome. You're so lucky that you had such a inspiring, impactful grandmother. Definitely. Oh, my grandparents, most of my my grandparents were long gone before I could have that kind. So it's, it's warming to hear. I like that. Mm. Um, So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be?
0: That's such an interesting question to come at this point in my life. I, (laughs) I spent the past year living all over the country. So I I just put everything in storage, packed up my car, and lived in ten different places over ten different months. Wow! And put ten thousand miles on my car. And I've wow. and <laughs> and I have loved something about each of the places. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that I need to spend time in nature. That that's just part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that rather than a singular place, it would be. The qualities of what I choose to experience
1: when I'm in a place. Wow. I like that. That's a good answer. Hmm. And the final question is what is the most important lesson that you have learned in your life?
0: Mm-hmm. It would be to
1: listen and
0: take action.
1: Wow. That's perfect. And that goes really well with the soulful listening and everything we've talked about today. Um, So I appreciate you doing that with me, having a little fun um, answering some (laughs) of those questions. It was great getting to know you a little bit more. And so before we end, where can people find you and how can they connect with you? um, Thank you for
0: asking that. And thank you for this lovely conversation. It's been so um, powerful and meaningful to me. Uh, So if if people want to reach out to me, my Website is really the best way. And it's soulful listening, one word soulfullistening.com.
1: Okay, cool. I will make sure to link um, that in the show notes of the podcast as well as I think you gave me some social media links as well to connect with you. And if I guess interested in learning more about soulful listening or have keynote opportunities, um, definitely open door to reach out to you, I assume. So yes, absolutely. Direct people there. Yeah. It was such a pleasure talking today. And again, I have to thank Sean again for connecting us because anytime I can have, you know, dialogue with somebody who I just think like, Oh my gosh, it's everything I feel in my heart and my soul and every part of me, it just fills my cup. It's definitely one of my self-care activities today. So I appreciate you um, being on this journey with me and being present with me today. And talking about the wonderful gift you're giving the world.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a joy.